Hello there, my name's Pete and this is Social Distancer. Welcome. So something happened in New Zealand. Um, Two people travelled from Britain via Brisbane in Australia to Auckland in New Zealand. And six days into their mandatory 14-day stay in a hotel that everybody needs to do that if they go to New Zealand and you're supposed to have a test on day 3 and day 12 well they didn't have a twist a, t- a twist they didn't have a twist they didn't have a twist and they didn't have a test on day 3 and on day 6 with um, having arranged a kind of safety plan with the authorities and on compassionate grounds they drove 650 kilometers from Auckland to Wellington and visited a dying relative. And they had COVID-19 and that was two cases, first two cases for 28 days in New Zealand. And so here's the difference between, now, so that's, that kind of thing is gonna happen, unfortunately you know, and, but that's not the story, the story is how fucking on it they are, the New Zealanders, Um, probably, I I described Jacinda Ardern as probably the best leader in the world, Um, I mean, who else, well, well, there hasn't been anyone else, I mean, we know this, we, you know, in terms of the response to COVID-19, which is probably a good uh, way of judging, like, leadership abilities. Um, it's not only that, you know, there's a whole bunch of things like, you know, to be tremendously fair to fucking Bonson Johnson, it's not his fault that previous Tory governments hadn't, you know, secured enough PPE or done any of the planning or done any... Do you know what I mean? But even so, let's blame it on that fat fucker anyway, you know? But even so, you know, it's it's a pandemic sweeping the world and there are, let's say, um, variations in response. And right up there, getting it right consistently is uh, Miss um, Jacinda... Is that her um, husband's surname? Do you know? I don't even know if she has a husband. Anyway, whatever. The Prime Minister. Prime Minister at home. And, okay, so what they did in a couple of days was they traced over 300 people. They traced the people that were on the plane, all of them. And they're going to test them all. Well, they probably have tested them all. And they're going to isolate them all. All of the people on the plane from Brisbane to Auckland. Just in case, you know. Now, we could not do that in Britain. There probably will never be a point in this entire crisis, even if we get to the point where there are, you know, 10 deaths a week, say, we do not have the capacity to do that. Okay, there's big differences between the way that New Zealand are tackling this 
and the way that Britain are tackling it. We have quarantine in Britain at the moment, so if you fly in, what you have to do is say to the people, you know, the border security, I think they've been rebranded Border Force. Fucking ridiculous. Passport control. You know, what's happened to the old fucking, like, when you measured everything in hands, eh? I remember when I was a boy, you'd measure everything in hands and not just fucking horses either. And um, so passport control, you say, oh yeah, I'm I'm living at, uh, you know, Brixton Hill, uh, 42 uh, Brixton Road, Brixton Hill, in Brixton, South London, SW12 4DU, or whatever just as an example address I don't even know that if there is a Brixton Road in Brixton Hill but anyway you say some fucking address right and then they say oh, alright we'll make sure you don't leave your house <laughs> and then that, and that basically that's it you know and of course they're not checking to see if anyone's like there and it's so unpopular this idea as weak as that is it's so unpopular with the Tory peers and the people that give money to Tories and the Tory and that's how you become a fucking peer obviously is um you know they're gonna just fucking junk it in a couple of days anyway you know so and it's so it's like really shit and obviously of course it doesn't make sense to say oh you can't come in from Greece you can't come in from well you know basically everywhere apart from Brazil and Australia and uh, America you know few other countries maybe like Chile like there was a couple of places in South America which is the epicenter now where it's really you know on the rampage so but you know every country in Europe and and most other countries all around the world you'd be a lot fucking safer on a beach in Greece than you know walking around most parts of Britain I know that you know so the whole thing doesn't make sense But even if we got to the point where it made sense and you did actually have people like kind of staying in your thing, we just don't have the kind of wherewithal to be as organized as the New Zealanders, okay? And I'm not just like, you know, throwing shade, as the young people put it. I am referring to like where we're at at the moment with... Um, test track and isolate which is just I mean it's just all over the place and I do not think fundamentally it's going to get to a point where we detect two cases we haven't well okay to a point where we haven't had I mean that's never going to happen you know what I mean we're never going to have fucking 28 days without this fucking thing for like at least a year I'd say at least a year you know and just imagine, I mean, we know that it's not going to happen with this fucking government where they detect two cases and then within three days they get 300, and 300 plus, I think it's 350 people connected to those people and they test them and they isolate all of those people. That isn't going to happen. And why do I know that? Well, let's see how it's going so far with test, track and isolate. 33,000 people were the ONS uh, estimated had COVID-19. Within that time, 
We, we, like the test track and isolate uh, team, contacted 8,000. 8,000 of 33. There's a great show on Radio 4 called More or Less. And this is what they say about that. estimate of the number of cases hasn't changed. It still comes from a large representative survey conducted by the Office for National Statistics. The ONS reckons that there were 33,000 people with the virus in the community in England during the first week that Test and Trace was running, late May and early June, plus more in hospitals and care homes. We thought we'd found 12,600 of these cases, but we actually only found 8,100 of them. And if we don't find them, even the best contact tracing system in the world won't be able to follow up. Okay, so how's the app going, I hear you ask. Well, how, this is how the app is going. The guy in charge of uh, the app says that they hope to get something for the winter. Like have something set up for the winter. Well, that's true. <laughs> it was supposed to be here mid-May. It was supposed to be the the backbone of the whole fucking test, track and trace operation system, which is supposedly, supposedly, world-beating. Do you remember that? So, not May or June or July or August or September or October. Um, well, when when does winter start? November, is it? Maybe, maybe let's be generous, maybe November. Maybe they'll have something for the winter. So maybe they'll have something, you know, by the time Biden is uh, president, unless he gets shot. Oh, oh um, on that, by the way, thank you ever so much for the rump of listeners in... Uh, I don't know where actually, but somewhere, listening via bullhorn. I think you're in the States. I think you might be in uh, rural America. Certainly bullhorn is this uh, app that you listen to podcasts through. I think it's a podcast platform in some other respects as well. And I've never heard of it. It's not like kind of a thing in Britain at all, as far as I'm concerned or aware of. Not that I missed a, you know, podcast app. But anyway, Bullhorn listeners, welcome. And don't vote for the fucking psycho, by the way. Thank you. And also, if uh, Biden gets in, right? I Okay, th- that's basically... Uh, I'll, I'll take the credit for that. Thank you. Thank you, listeners in America. And not just rural America... But the, uh, the cities, you know, uh, weirdly, I've got, like, listeners. Uh, I mean, I think it must be Noel just have, must have lots of mates all across America, you know. Also, my brother's in America as well, in Arizona, where things are, um, well, drastically terrible, actually. So, um, yeah, take care of yourselves in America. And... Anyway, so get back to this. So, okay, leadership, yep. So Jacinda, she doesn't say, 
you know, it was bound to happen. It was just a slip. They'd made a plan. You know, they didn't... I mean, the, the, the plan was watertight, okay? They drove for a long, long way, but in all that time, they didn't get out of the car. They, they did a fucking Cummings, is what they did, you know? They drove all that way, didn't get out for a piss, didn't get out for, you know, a bloody chalk ice, didn't get out for... Uh, to get the petrol in the car and nothing like that. Drove there and then just went to their relative's house to, you know, to see their dying relative. And they're still there now. They're kind of completing their self-isolating there now. Um, but self-isolate... Um, Compassionate Leave has stopped because of this. And instead of, you know, Boris Johnson saying he's very proud of the government's record, fuck off, pal, you know, 50,000 plus dead, 65,000 plus excess deaths. So fuck you. But also Hattie Mancock. Hattie, today, he was being interviewed by Kay Burley who he does not like being interviewed by because Kay Burley is, like, outstanding. And you know what? I think that Sky are doing a fucking great job at the moment. Kay and... Um, uh, uh, the uh, What's her name? The political uh, editor. Beth Rigby. Beth Rigby. And Sam Coates... Those guys are like on fire at the moment. I mean, they are asking, consistently asking the best questions whenever they interview any of these fucking government ministers. Consistently. I mean, every single episode, every episode, every single interview is just like brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, you know? And they've got these, these fucking down-to-earth northern names that I absolutely appreciate. But hello, my name's Beth Wigby. Uh, here comes Sam Coates. Uh, hello, hello, Beth. How are you doing? I'm okay, Sam. Oh, look, there's Kay. Kay? What's her name? Kay? I've forgotten her name. Kay? Is it Kay something? Or Kay Burley? Kay Burley? Is that her name? <laughs> it's, her, it's her name, Burley. Fucking hell. Anyway, is that, is that her name? Or am I just in a kind of, like, northern... I'm slightly racist against... But I had to put up with living in Yorkshire for quite a while. And there are some brilliant people uh, in Yorkshire. I just want to make that absolutely clear. But also there's a bunch of fucking racists there as well. So I want to make that absolutely clear as well. Anyway, uh, so, that's really good. So... Um, Jacinda, this is... So, yeah, anyway, Matty uh, with Kay this morning, he fucking said, oh, yeah, I really want to thank Daniel Rashford. Fucking, like, just remember the guy's name for fuck's sake, you know what I mean? And then he apologised. said, oh, no, of course not. It was, like, really early. What it was is that I was, like, reading Harry Potter to my son yesterday. And you think, hold on a minute, you're the... Health Secretary, during the biggest health crisis in any of our lifetimes, and you have the time to read your son a goodnight story. Now, you know, I'm the first among us to promote reading to children, and any, you know, question I have of 
J.K. Rowling and her views on the world, uh, you know, it goes without saying that the Harry Potter books uh, influenced, well, you know, hundreds of millions of children to pick up books, and not just that book, uh, those books, those seven or whatever of these books. So I like Harry Potter, and I love it when children read, okay? This is not an attack on children reading. It is an attack on Matty Hancock putting... Well, can't somebody else do it? Or maybe the kid can, I don't know, like, read it himself. Or, well, basically, get on top of doing your fucking job. And instead of apologising to Marcus Rashford, who I'm sure he doesn't mind, but even if he does fucking mind, he apologised to him. Where's the apology for the PPE, for the testing, for the, what, 25,000 plus deaths that could have been avoided because you went down in lockdown um, too late? Where's the apology for taking 25,000 people out of hospitals and into care homes? Doesn't matter if they've got COVID-19, just get out of the fucking hospitals. Yeah, where's the apology for all of that? Where's the apology for the many businesses that your Tory MP mates have got connections with that are getting multi-million pound contracts with without any of them going in uh, to tender. And most of the work happening is like just fucking falling by the wayside, you know? Where's the apology for... Uh, ignoring all of the public health infrastructure in this country during a public health emergency and setting up something with Serco and other massive corporations, which, you know... So there are many things for this fucker to apologise for. Getting some guy's name wrong is not one of them. So that is not leadership. That is failure on a big scale. This is Jacinda, and this is leadership. This case represents an unacceptable failure of the system. It should never have happened, and it cannot be repeated. From the beginning, we have taken an extraordinarily cautious approach at the border. That is why we have required every returning New Zealander to go into a facility that we manage. That protocol remains. That is also why we required not one, but two tests to be undertaken of those in facilities. One at day three and one at day 12. That should have happened in the cases we learned about yesterday. It did not, and there are no excuses. I know the decision to suspend compassionate leave will not be a popular one, but it is the right one. We have to be assured that we are keeping even those individuals who are seeking the leave safe and their loved ones safe. If we have a situation like this occur, despite protocols that were in place, that is not acceptable. I must be reassured that we are meeting the expectations of New Zealanders and that comes first. So got more good news, breaking news tonight. The um, 
controversial Rhodes statue in Oriel College in uh, Oxford University is going to be removed. So that's brilliant, really big success. And just to give you a taste of the fucking psychopath that we're talking about, this is what this fucker put in his will. I contend that we are the first race in the world and that the more of the world we inhabit, the better it is for the human race. I contend that every acre added to our territory means the birth of more of the English race who otherwise would not be brought into existence. So, you know, not exactly subtle in his racism there, no? So, yeah, fuck him, and hopefully they'll... uh, Well, let's see, what should they do? Maybe put the statue in a museum and contextualise the fuck out of the racist fucker. So, but some good news there, and um, also... We've had a quite an interesting day, quite a worky day again, unfortunately. But, you know, not too bad. We went out um, to a local field in town where uh, we were basically, there was no one there. Like, it was totally safe. We all went out. It's only like a couple of minutes drive because it was quite late when we um, went out. Uh, but no one there. I mean, really totally safe. So that's good, isn't it? So, you know, we're, oh, PMQs, by the way, it's got into a kind of routine now where I think Starmer's going to have to kind of think about how to, uh, well, essentially kind of work out what to do when trying to question somebody that is ignoring your questions, doesn't give a shit about whether he lies or not, and we'll kind of do anything to, like, literally do anything to just kind of distract and ask people to look the other way, you know? So it was a bit of a farce, very serious uh, kind of questions regarding, like, child poverty and the lack of funding for local councils. And Boris Johnson was just on a different trip, you know? It was, like, really... I mean, I don't know what it does apart from probably cheers up a couple of Tories you know Um, but I don't think it looks very good but also in a way like none of that matters you know it's a bit of a kind of pantomime and it has unfortunately gone back to what PMQs has always been which is like a kind of bit of a you know knockabout panto and I think that Starmer doesn't really kind of do that you know and you know whether he'll uh, it's quite difficult to kind of get out of that in PMQs you know I mean f- for years and years and years it's been like that and that's the kind of setup and it will only get worse when more people go into the into the chamber you know into the uh, big fucking room that they do it in you know I think it is called the chamber um so yeah, I'm not really sure about that. You know, it's a bit of a funny uh, kind of non-event in a funny kind of way. You know, I mean, it doesn't really matter because, like, you know, uh, compared to everything else that's happening in the world, 
it really doesn't matter who wins or who loses at PMQs. And the idea that that would be some kind of place where he would get caught, you know, he's just not going to, he's not releasing anything. It doesn't matter about any fucking report or anything. Like, you know, he's not going to get caught. Hopefully there'll be a couple more U-turns about really important things. And very interestingly on that, actually, the that was a Labour victory to a certain extent because they had set up a vote for yesterday. So they were going to debate it, the um, free school meals over the summer, and then they were going to vote on it. And the whips in the Tory office, in the, the Tory party, they were like, you know, ringing around all of the MPs saying like, how are you going to go with this? And they weren't getting much back. So they were scared of uh, losing to, to Starmer. And that's being lost, like losing the vote to the Labour Party. And that kind of element of it is being lost because Boris wants you to think it was Marcus. And it was Marcus in a massive way, like I said yesterday. Like it wouldn't have happened in the way that it happened if it wasn't for Marcus. But of course, from Boris's point of view, he's very happy for everyone to think, oh yeah, it was Marcus. He made us change our minds. Rather than it was actually getting very close to, I mean, literally like, you know, a couple of hours before the uh, the debate was about to begin, they kind of U-turned, you know? So it was getting very, really up to the wire where they would do the debate and then vote in it. And it was looking like they might lose that vote. Yep. Because Marcus said, contact, he wrote this letter and he said, you know, CC all of your MPs into it. So I did it, even I did it. I wrote to my MP about Cummings and I did it, I kind of tweeted him about that as well, you know. And I said, you know, there's plenty of people in your constituency on free school meals and it's a massive fucking deal, you know what I mean? You kind of need to eat as a human being. It's kind of one of the things we have to do, you know. So anyway, um, yeah, so Starmer did get a bit of a kind of... Um, is is responsible, not just Starmer, but the Labour Party is responsible to a a degree far more than is being recognised, I think. It's coming up. Can you see it in your rearview mirror? Episode 100, episode 100. It's coming up, only a couple of episodes to go. That's so exciting, isn't it? What are we going to do? I think I will count down the list of my favourite social distancer episodes <laughs> I'll rate them <laughs> no I won't do that alright listen you take care of yourselves and see you later take care see you later bye thank you very much I run to the shop I bump into everyone say have you heard have you heard the news There is a podcast called Social Distancer. Share it, like it, tell your friends everything you want to hear about the greatest public health emergency in any of our lives. But every day, and it is free. Fucking great than the swearing.